Good morning, and peace be with you. I direct you to the announcements on the back page, but as uh, you many, most, if not all, should know that uh, earlier this week, our beloved DeForest Jones went on to life eternal and is face-to-face with Jesus. That was on Monday, and he has family here today, this morning, and uh, let's uh, show them the love and, and, uh, and lift them up in prayers during this tender time. Uh, our God is faithful even in the midst, and especially in, a, in the midst of um, chaos and sadness and loss. And uh, there will be a memorial service uh, this Friday uh, at 10 a.m., and so all are invited uh, who knew and loved DeForest and know and love the family uh, and to uh, remember him. That's at 10 this coming Friday. So um, it's good to see you here. We love you. Jesus loves you, and so do I. Okay? Uh, as far as the bulletin goes, this is the last uh, Sunday uh, for the ministry focus that we had, which was um, for Pastor Gallagher's wife, Alice, uh, to collect funds for a service dog that will be able to help her um, identify a oncoming epileptic seizure and hopefully take the rescue meds to either keep it from happening or to minimize it. So uh, I thank you for uh, your giving on that. And uh, if you haven't and you'd still like to, there is time to do that. Uh, any giving offering that you do, make sure you write that this is for uh, Pastor Gallagher or Alice Gallagher's um, service dog. I'd appreciate that. We have Bible studies during the week, and it's so important to be in God's Word. And we have several opportunities. Saturday morning is our men's group. Uh, we even have allowed women to come into our group, as uh, Jennifer knows. And, <laughs> and, we, and we prayed, and, um, but we have Tuesday uh, afternoons and Tuesday evenings on Zoom. So I just encourage you to get uh, into the Word. It's good for you, and it's good for everybody that participates to come together uh, in the name of Jesus and to study His Word. I think that's about it as far as the uh, announcements go. So Tim, let's get started. Day by day and with each passing moment strength I find to meet my trials here trusting Father's wise bestowment I have no cause for worry or for fear He who sought his kind beyond all measure Gives unto each day what he deems best Lovingly it's part of pain and pleasure Peace and rest 
come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God, our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, 
to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you and for his sake. He forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God, power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor, glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, grant us wisdom to recognize the treasures that you have stored up for us in heaven that we may never despair but always rejoice and be thankful for the riches of your grace through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated.
Good morning. The first reading this morning is taken from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verse 2, and verses 12 through 14, and then chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. And this can be found on page 1034 in your pew Bible. I'm sure all of you know Ecclesiastes, at least by the uh, there's a time for everything versus probably a song from the 60s or 70s. Uh, there's a time to live, a time to die, a time to love, a time to hate, etc. cetera. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is suspected to have been written by King Solomon, who was reported to be a pretty smart guy since God gave him his wisdom. Uh, the wisdom here is that everything we work for is without value and is temporary unless it is worked for to the glory of God, then it is eternal. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning with the second verse. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Our second reading is uh, Psalm 100, and we'll read that responsively. It's printed in your bulletin. This is a song of praise and thanksgiving to God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. <clears throat> Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. 
and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Okay, the epistle this morning is taken from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and this can be found on page 1884 in the Pew Bible. This is uh, from the Apostle Paul. It's a letter he wrote to the Colossian people who are Gentiles, uh, who became Christian. They're fairly new Christians. And they had been under Roman rule. They're pagans, now Christians. Paul writes, It's a reminder to new Christians to not slip back into their old ways and to reject sin. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and following. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke from the 12th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning does indeed come from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21 and can be found on page 1617 in your pew Bible. Luke records, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them 
this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves. But it is not rich toward God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The entry in Luther's small catechism reads as follows. You shall have no other gods. And in the small catechism, as you know, there are questions with answers. So, you shall have no other gods, and then it says, what does this mean? And the answer is that we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. One more time, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. You know, when we think of idolatry, we often think of worshiping statues or totem poles, uh, magic talismans, that kind of thing. And the Bible has lots of examples of people who worship these, these things, these sorts of things. And the Bible condemns them all. And these are examples of something called coarse ideology, idolatry. Coarse idolatry. That is the worship of creatures or inanimate objects such as golden calves, statues of Baal, and so forth. Now most people in our modern culture in the West here, most people, even unbelievers, would say that coarse idolatry is, is dumb, it's foolish, it's, it's irrational. The kind of idolatry that is more likely to attack you and to attack me is called refined idolatry, refined idolatry. And that is the worship of money. That is the worship of popularity or power or fame or security. There's many. For instance, when we put our job or our family or our recreation above God, 
we are committing refined idolatry. When we allow the TV to come between us and our Bible reading time, we are committing refined idolatry. When we forsake prayer and worship to pursue some other activity, no matter how worthwhile it may be, we are committing refined idolatry. We may not be bringing out the bulls to sacrifice to a false god, but we are making the same deadly mistake. That is, we are worshiping idols. And at its core, refined idolatry worships creation instead of the creator. It takes the good gifts that God gives us and it makes them into idols in his place, in place of him. Refined idolatry is most powerful when it convinces us refined idolatry is most powerful when it convinces us that this world is all that there is. Right here, right now, this is it, baby. And since this world is all there is, it forces us to place our trust in things of this world and get the most out of it while you can. Enjoy it while you can. These are the kind of mottos that we get. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. You only go around once in this life, so grab with all the gusto that you've got. And you've heard this one. It's kind of depressing. It's depressing. This motto, whoever dies with the most toys, yeah, no, whoever dies with the most toys still dies. Refined idolatry is tricky. Most of the time, people who commit refined idolatry don't think that they are committing any kind of idolatry at all. In fact, they might be a little offended about what I'm saying. I know I'm offending myself right now as I'm, you know, saying this to you because I'm, it's, it's, I'm pointing at me. Most people who worship popularity and fame would never say they worship these things despite that claim. What else can it be when these things are more important than receiving God's gifts in the Word or in the sacrament? We don't realize that we are even committing refined idolatry. We often forget that whatever has the top priority in our lives is, in fact, our little G, God. As Martin Luther said, it is the trust and faith of the heart alone that make both God and an idol. So if your faith and if your trust are right, then your God is the true one. Now conversely, where your trust is false and wrong, there you do not have the true God. For these two belong together, faith and God. Anything on which your heart relies and depends, I say, that is really your God. The prayer of the day, for this day, you heard, 
invites us to set aside refined idolatry and fix our minds on the things of heaven instead. The hymn of the day that will come after this sermon begins with the words, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word." And every stanza points to him and to him alone as our all in all, the one who provides for our every need. Further, in our sequence, in in the acclamation that you sing with me prior to the reading of the gospel, it recalls the words of Peter from John 6, verse 68. It's where you sing with me. You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The words of eternal life. The Old Testament lesson that uh, Ken read tells us of the emptiness of refined idols and refined idolatry. It says, All is vanity and striving after the wind. The epistle tells us to set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And finally, the gospel relates the story of the rich fool who placed his confidence in the bumper crop that he was going to store in his barns instead of in the God who gave him those crops. Perhaps the most common form of refined idolatry is the worship of money. And Jesus often taught about wealth and the destruction that it can bring when it is mishandled. In Matthew 6, it's recorded, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from faith and pierced themselves with many things. The parable of the rich fool is most severe. It's most severe because not only does the poor fellow never get to enjoy his earthly wealth, but he endured eternal punishment as well because we know that from God's words to him where he said, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. Okay, so listen to this part. The problem is not that the man was rich, that he was wealthy. That is not the problem. But the problem was that the man was a rich fool. Jesus had many disciples who were wealthy. The Magi from the east who came to worship Jesus as a toddler had the means to offer Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And Joseph of Arimathea, 
He loaned his tomb to Jesus, and he had the means to construct a tomb, but not just any tomb, any place. He had some prime real estate just outside the city in Jerusalem. And we had Lydia, who was one of the early disciples in Philippi, and Mary, the mother of Mark, Mark of the Gospel. He was the writer where these were wealthy patrons of the church. Wealth is not the problem. Wealth is not the problem. The problem is letting wealth become a substitute for God. It is making wealth the source of our security and comfort. It is forgetting that wealth, like everything else, is a gift from God and not a little g God in its own right. So the sin is not in the money. One more time. The sin is not in the money, but in the attitude towards the money. And Jesus speaks this parable to all of us, even if we are not wealthy. Even if we're not wealthy, he's talking to you and me. Jesus said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Jesus warns us, whether we are on welfare or middle income or upper class, that the love of money can destroy our souls. This means that the rich and the poor alike can be fools about money. It means that the rich can be slaves to the money and other things they have. It means that the poor can be slaves to the money and other things that they want. People in all classes can see money and things as the salvation from their problems. I understand that the something lotto Powerball was almost a billion dollars this last week. Anyone hear about that? Did anyone win? Oh. Yeah. See me after. <laughs> Somebody did win. Okay. Well, we should pray for them. Our Old Testament reading for today comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. And most of Ecclesiastes is dedicated to describing the emptiness of life under the sun. That is, that a life that is lived as if the earth was all that there was. And in this book, Solomon carefully documents his experiments with every lifestyle possible. He tried wine, he tried women, and he tried song. He tried hard work, he tried hard play, he tried travel, he tried education. If you can think of a lifestyle, he tried it. And in the end, he concluded that if this life is all that there is, then everything is vanity and everything is striving after the wind. And without God, without God, truly, he concludes, there is no meaning to life. With God, there is meaning, though. With God, there is worth. With God, there is salvation. 
But the treasure of heaven is not like the treasure of this earth. God revealed himself to us in his son Jesus Christ. And Jesus has his own economy. And although he is creator and the owner of all things, he lived among us as a poor person. And although he has all authority in heaven and earth, he lived under the authority of the law. And although he has all power, he made himself helpless. And he submitted to the punishment that we deserved as he suffered and as he died on the cross. And although forgiveness, life, and salvation are worth more than we could ever pay, Jesus offers them to us as a free gift. And although Jesus deserves our unending service, it is his desire to serve us. It is Jesus who makes us rich toward God. Jesus closed the sad parable in today's gospel with these words. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Here, first of all, is condemnation. If we spend our lives getting ahead so that God and religion become a nuisance, and the end is eternal damnation. But the reverse of these words is also true, and it gives us the sweet hope. That is that when the Holy Spirit plants the gift of faith in us, we see that the treasures of this earth are nothing, and that God, God is the true treasure. And we know that we will inherit everything that God has to offer. We will hear the blessed words of Jesus as recorded in Matthew 25, verse 34. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Our dear friend D is experiencing that richness and that treasure right now. And someday you will too. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus 
trust Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved You more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him. Just Jesus, save your friend, and I know that He is with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved You more. Precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Please pray with me for the whole Church of God and for all people according to their needs. Dear Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you now to praise you and thank you for your goodness, your love, and your faithfulness. Thank you for adopting us as your own despite our many failings. We are grateful and praise you for the free gift of grace that you've given us by your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, sometimes life feels heavy and burdensome because of the struggles that we face on a daily basis. But despite the hardships, we trust your word that tells us that we can come to you when we are burdened and heavy laden, and you will give us rest. Help us, dear Lord, keep our hearts and minds fixed on you. Help us to cast down our earthly idols and put to death all that is displeasing to you. We acknowledge that our very lives are in your hands, and we are so thankful that our lives are hidden with Christ. Lord, we thank you for this church family and ask that you bless us and keep us healthy. Lord, if we still have a pulse, we know that you still have a purpose for our lives. We pray that you would reveal your will to each of us individually and strengthen us to do all that you've called us to do. Father, we lift up our unsaved loved ones to you and ask that you stir up their faith and reveal your love and goodness to them. Lord, we ask that you help us share your love, your grace, and your forgiveness to all those who don't yet know you. Lord, we pray that you would help mend divisions and restore families. Father, we lift up those who are homeless, those who struggle with addictions, those who are abused, those who are neglected, those who have broken hearts, those who are lonely, those in pain, and those who are sick. We ask for your healing balm to wash over all who are hurting and facing disease in body, mind, or spirit, especially those whom we name out loud or deep in our hearts. Peggy, Jen, Greg, and the Jones family, Sharon, Eldred, Jackie and Valerie, Mama Chow, Luke and George. Father, let your hands of protection be over us and shield us from all harm. All we need is found in you, and we thank you for your peace, your mercy, your healing, and your comfort. We love you, Lord, and we give you all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. I suppose responsibly at a distance or however you want to do it, you're adults. Will you please pray with me?
Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. He gave his best for us. The riches of heaven are ours through an adoption that took place by what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me through his sinless life, through his death, his resurrection. We have been given the right to be called children of God. You have that right, you have that inheritance. And this meal is a foretaste 
a foreshadowing, a small little bit of the feast that is coming. But it reminds us that that feast is coming, that that, that that work on the cross was perfectly worked, and it matters. And this sacrifice isn't just bread, and it isn't just wine. It is God's Word, your faith, the Holy Spirit coming together, and it works grace. What does that mean? It means favor that you didn't earn. It means favor you can't purchase, but it means favor that covers you and forgives all your sins. And wait, there's more. It rescues you from sin, death, and the devil. This simple sacrament, your faith, God's Word, and the Holy Spirit, all of that renews you. So if that's your confession, if that's your belief, and I heard you confess that He is your Lord and Savior, then come, the table is prepared.
Well, thank you for coming to our training session and as we prepare to go and be in the presence of the Lord as we hear the blessed assurance of your sins are forgiven. Not by my authority, right? Not by my authority, but by His authority. I declare to you that your sins are forgiven because you have called me as your ordained minister of the Word. He chose you. You are here as no surprise to Him today. And He's glad to see you. And you are equipped. You are made new throughout this entire worship service. May that be a comfort to you. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go tell it on the mountain.